This is the Finding the Founders podcast, episode 23. Hello, Patriots. Welcome to the Finding the Founders podcast. I am your host, Nathan Burr, and I am grateful that you have tuned in. Today, I want to talk about a couple of people from the Old Testament of the Bible. And you might be thinking, this isn't the Back to the Bible podcast. This is the Finding the Founders podcast. Well, these two characters that we're going to look at ever so briefly are going to give us two very timely examples of how we can respond to what's going on in our country and in our world. Now, because I know some of you are already freaking out here at at the thought, I want to be clear this is not going to be some exegetical study. We are not going to see how God is speaking through these Old Testament characters to modern-day Americans. that's, That's not what's happening here. These are two examples. I probably could have found some other religious text if I took the time to read it and found examples. I could find examples from from history. I could find examples from a, a modern movie. But I'm picking these examples because as we've touched on over and over again in this podcast, there is and ought to be a correlation between biblical faith and our American values that are that are in so many ways based upon that biblical faith. But again, these are just examples, nothing more. The first person I want to look at is King Hezekiah. Now, if you're familiar with with Old Testament history and the, the nation of Israel and Judah, once the kingdom split, you know that there was a lot of good king, bad king, good king, bad king, good king, bad king. And toward toward the end, it started to get a lot less of the good and more of the bad. Hezekiah was one of the good kings. He followed the Lord. He destroyed the the high places and the sacred stones and the Asherah poles. He even broke the bronze snake that Moses had made when he was instructed to by God. When anyone was, was afflicted, they could look and see the snake up on the staff, which was symbolic of Christ up on the cross. But of course, they had turned this into an idol. And so Hezekiah destroyed it. He was a very good king. And we read about him both in in 2 Kings and in Isaiah. Very similar accounts of Hezekiah getting sick. And the word of God came through Isaiah telling him that he was going to die. And Hezekiah prayed. And God sent Isaiah back and told him to tell Hezekiah that 15 years had been added to his life which makes Hezekiah a fascinating study on the power of prayer and whether prayer can move the heart of a sovereign God. But that's not what we're going to talk about today. It's also a fascinating question to ask. If you were told you're going to live 15 more years, but only 15 more years, would that be good or bad? Would you want to know it or not? But that's neither here nor there. What we read next is about an envoy from Babylon that came and Hezekiah showed them everything. 
showed them all the treasures of his palace and of his kingdom, showed them the armory, just, just showed them everything. And scripture isn't explicit as to why God was upset with him and why God chastised him for this, but I don't know that it takes just a ton of, of deep thinking to figure out. I mean, imagine, for example, if the Chinese sent a delegation here and President Biden showed them all of our technology and... Sh okay, this is a bad example. You get the point. So God tells Hezekiah through Isaiah in 2 Kings 20... Quote, the time will surely come when everything in your palace and all that your predecessors have stored up until this day will be carried off to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. And some of your descendants, your own flesh and blood who will be born to you, will be taken away and they will become eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Hezekiah's response to this is, the word of the Lord you have spoken is good. And we might read that and think, well, there, there's, there's just a, a prime example of a, of a great man. He, he does something wrong. God pronounces judgment. And instead of whining or complaining or pleading to have it taken away, he says, the word of the Lord is good. But that's not where the verse ends. Because the next line says, for he thought, will there not be peace and security in my lifetime? In other words, Hezekiah was just fine with the punishment falling on the next generation because he himself wouldn't suffer for it. His own flesh and blood, his own children, his own descendants were going to suffer. But he was all right with it because he got off scot-free. There's a word for this. That word is cowardice. We have a Great king, by all accounts, does many good things, follows God. It even says there was no one like him before or after. And we see him as an example of someone who prayed and God answered and responded to that prayer. And then he made a mistake and then he displayed his cowardice. Folks, we haven't had God say to us, your country is swirling the drain. Or things are going from bad to worse. But I think it's something that a lot of us, I should say most of us, who, who would frankly be listening to this type of a podcast, would agree with. And we can take the response of Hezekiah and say, well, it's still okay now. I've still got a good life. Somebody's going to have to pay for us spending money faster than we can print it, but it won't probably be me. It'll be the next generation. Somebody's going to have to deal with with our complete breakdown in morality, but it's not gonna be my generation. I'm old, I can just kinda of coast to the end. That can be our response. We can follow the path of Hezekiah, and we can be branded cowards for doing so. So maybe you say, okay, I don't, I don't wanna be a coward. I don't wanna be one of these Republicans that everybody's so mad at who has good convictions, but doesn't have the courage to carry them out when the time comes. I am not going to name names. So what do I do? Here's where we turn to our second example from the Old Testament. A man by the name of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a cupbearer for the Persian king who had 
the Persians had seceded the Babylonians. And many of the exiles that had been taken by the Babylonians were still, their descendants were still in exile. Nehemiah was among them. He was a cupbearer. And he heard a report that the walls of Jerusalem were in disrepair. Now, previous envoys had gone back to rebuild the temple. And it's, it's unclear if the walls that were in disrepair were ones that they built then or were the walls that had been destroyed 70-some-odd years before that by the Babylonians when they destroyed Jerusalem. But he hears the report, and he is, he is saddened by this. So Nehemiah prays and asks God that he would find favor before the king. Then he asks the king to be able to go back and fix the problem. And then he goes back, and he rebuilds the walls, and he leads the people in rebuilding the walls. And they face opposition from people who don't want it done, who are trying to spread all sorts of lies and, and misinformation, and Nehemiah calls them out. Uh, he, he says, you're full of prunes. That is, that is not a, a uh, literal translation of the ancient Hebrew, but that's the idea. He calls them out. And... He helps the people when they are afraid and tells them, you know, to carry weapons in one hand and carry your materials in the other. And he posts guards while they're doing the work. By the way, I'm not going to turn this into a treatise on self-defense, but I could if I wanted to, maybe. And then Nehemiah helps the poor. And now as the governor, when the wall is completed, he has the book of the law read to the people. And they confess their sins. But then the people go back to being the people. And they don't follow through on their promises. And a lot of Nehemiah's work in the end kind of seems to be for naught. But several times throughout the book of Nehemiah, we see him say, remember me, O God. And you almost get this picture of Nehemiah saying, I did all that I could. I tried. These are not Nehemiah's words, but you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink, right? Nehemiah did everything he could. We can have the attitude of Hezekiah of saying, well, that's somebody else's problem. It's not going to affect me. Or we can be like Nehemiah, grieved by what we see, praise to God for, for help and favor and then does what he can to try to fix the problem. Now, again, this is not a message in either of these uh, characters, Hezekiah or Nehemiah, not a message for America. Okay, This is not a referendum on whether or not we should build the wall. Rather, these two men, I said characters a minute ago, I... I I try not to do that. When you say character, it sounds like somebody in a story, like somebody in a made-up book. These were real people. These are real events. These two men are examples for us. We can follow the pattern of Hezekiah, who, again, was a good guy, but also behaved cowardly. Or we can follow the example of Nehemiah, who did the best that he could, who tried to point the people in the right direction, and tried to accomplish something good. I want to close by reading to you 
from the American Crisis, which is a collection of articles by Thomas Paine, who is perhaps more famous for uh, his pamphlet Common Sense. But in the first of these articles, on December 23, 1776, Paine wrote words that are, at, that are famous and also poignant. And so I'm going to read to you from the beginning of this article, and then I'm going to skip down with a, with a closing quote that I'm sure you've heard, but it's one we need to take to heart. Here are the words of Thomas Paine. These are the times that try men's souls. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will, in this crisis, shrink from the service of their country. But he that stands by it now deserves the love and thanks of man and woman. Tyranny, like hell, is not easily conquered. Yet we have this consolation with us, that the harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. What we obtain too cheap, we esteem too lightly. It is dearness only that gives everything its value. He goes on a little bit later in that article when he's speaking out against the Tories, that is, those colonists sympathetic to Great Britain in the War for Independence, and tells the story of a, of a man who had once uh, made some remarks and concluded by saying, well, give me peace in my day. And here is the famous line that I'm sure you've heard of, that is Payne's rebuttal to that. A generous parent should have said, if there must be trouble, let it be in my day, that my child may have peace. And this single reflection, well applied, is sufficient to awaken every man to duty.